Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to yet another edition of a couple of guys blibber blabbering. <laughs> <laughs> Just enjoying life. Just having a good old time. Jibber That's jabbering. Right. This has become uh, literally our favorite hobby. It's another episode of the one, the only FNO InsureTech. Yeah. Starring Lee Boyd with Thank the you. other guy and the other guy, Rob Beller. Rob. Lee and Rob. We'll start calling it Lee and Rob instead of Rob and Lee. Uh, no, no, that doesn't sound no, right. no, <laughs> there's no ring to that. That's not, happening. there's no ring to that. No, I did no. notice the other day I was reading LinkedIn and every time Al posts something on there, it's, it's, you know, join Robin Lee whenever mm-hmm. they're, and I mm-hmm. thought, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. That well, I sense. pay him to do it that way. So, <laughs> so I have a little news for you. I have some news. What's your breaking, news? breaking news. Okay. This is the beginning of our third year of this podcast. Third year. Or no, we've done three years. That's funny because I think it's the beginning of our fourth year. It's the, thank you. I meant, so that meant it was our third we've anniversary. Done, this will be, yeah, one, that's anniversary, two, anniversary, three, anniversary. This is our, this is our fourth year. I don't know. Let's see official thing. <laughs> we You're just married a, for a year. We, you get an anniversary. It's your first We had our yeah. third birthday. Yeah. Hey, we're celebrating our third birthday right now. Yeah. On, right? on to a year. What is the what does year four have in store for us? Ooh. Because ding, last year ding, was ding, a whirlwind. Never, ding, never ding, really ding. knew what's going to go on there. The nope. year before, all nope. of a sudden this thing called COVID came around. Yep. And and yep. I what is year four? What does year four have in store? Uh well, we could talk about what we hope for and what we wish. Yeah. I wish that we have many great guests, mm-hmm. like Inter- the guest we have today. I I think that would be a great way to start year four. Don't you think? I think if we could have a guest from a direct-to-consumer insure tech, mm-hmm. that would be a good play, good thing who, to happen in the fourth year. Who comes from a traditional insurance carrier who knows how things are done, right? Right. He's, He's, He's trained, an insurance guy. He's an a insurance guy. guy going mm-hmm. to the world of InsureTech to help lead the, the claims initiative. Mm-hmm. That so would be sw- a, that'd be a great guest. Swinging from the mainstream of insurance mm-hmm. over into this crazy thing called InsureTech. We have with us today Clay Rising, yeah, Vice President of Claims at Kin Insurance. Yeah, he's a great guy. Uh, as I said, he came from from the carrier world. He's staying in the insurance world with Ken. He's helping to lead the claims department over there, and and he's been around a while. And we're going to talk to him about all sorts of things about using other insured techs in the world of claims. We're going to talk all about Ken. What is it? And then we're going to talk about how they actually do claims over there. So it'll be a great conversation. So without further ado, let's go to our interview with Clay Rising, Vice President of Claims at Kin Insurance. 
Hey, everybody, we are here with our guest coming to us all the way from sunny but chilly Florida. We have Clay Rising with us, the Vice President of Claims at Kin Insurance. Our Welcome, second Clay. our second interview from Kin. But we wanted, we really wanted to get Clay on because we want to talk about claims in the world of an insure tech and how that's different and how it's not different from what many of you already might know about. But let's start by saying thanks for joining us today. Welcome. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Happy to, to be here and talk through some things. Sure. And where are you exactly so we have an office in downtown St. Petersburg, Florida, which is typically, as you said, sunny and beautiful. This week has been a little unseasonably cool. We hit the 30s this week. It's not the most fun thing in the world for Florida folk. And I and I think it's very important to say that whenever you get that cold, that the you said that the iguanas start falling out of the trees, that they that they kind of freeze, <laughs> they fall down, but then they but then they all thaw out and, and kind of come back. I, you know, it's kind of that amazing nature of uh, being cold-blooded. When it yeah. drops so low, the heart rate drops so low, they, they fall out of trees, which isn't a huge problem in Tampa, St. Pete area, but yeah. a little further south where they're more more prevalent. Uh, you have to watch I, out I, I just Yeah, I just couldn't imagine going on a walk and all of a sudden the iguana falls out and you're like, well, it's, it's an iguana. Yeah, It'll be fine. I, I, <laughs> that's what I'm wondering. Is it so common that yeah. you'll be walking down the street and there's an iguana laying there and you'll just say, oh, yeah, it's just a frozen iguana. Yeah, it will be fine. And just keep walking. Push them I, to the side. I, honestly, I don't think very many people in Florida go for walks when it's 30 degrees, 30 <laughs> well, degrees true. outside because they're used to 80 and 100% humidity. So that's this true. Is, you you uh, this stock is up and just stay. So let's start by talking about other things besides frozen iguanas, which yeah, actually- that's pretty good. We that's can do a whole good. podcast on that. They're big. Okay. Well, it's been great having you with us today. <laughs> um, okay. the, the, the entire audience is now Googling frozen iguana. <laughs> Guaranteed. Guaranteed. <laughs> let's move on from iguanas and let's talk about kin. So let's start by talking about what kin is. And uh, because there are those in our audience who live in caves who haven't heard of kin. So give us a minute on what kin is and, and what you do there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so Ken is an insure tech that is based in Chicago, and we have a brick and mortar office down in St. Pete, as you said earlier. Um, started writing in Florida in late 2019. We are 100% a direct consumer model insurance company that really just drives relationships uh, directly with the customer and able to tap into data science and you know, data aggregators to gather information and make decisions and really streamline processes for insureds and potential customers. And, you know, as you look at the traditional insurance model, I mean, our policies, everything else is, is very similar, but it's all about how you reach out, how you communicate and, and how you build your business. You just said that you are direct to consumer. Are there, are there agents involved at all? Yeah. So we have a team of in-house agents. In-house agents. But they're 100% in-house. So, so any of the, you know, the, they're in, captive. In, yeah, they're all captive. You don't have any of the independent agents out there? So there's 0% independent agents wow. out there. And I think to clarify on the captive term, historically people hear captive agent and they're like, oh, you're an all state agent. You have an all state office. You right. write strictly all state. 
all of ours are Ken employees. They work for Ken and all they do is, is Ken policies. Are you guys just homeowners? Yes. Well, homeowners, HO6 for condos, mobile home product. Renters? All things property there. Yeah. All things property there. Renters, not yet. What do you do when somebody says, hey, can you help me with auto? So right now, all things property, no auto, have not had the appetite to dip our foot in the auto pool. Yeah. Um, really just based on based on the market and based on you know knowing what you're good at and pursuing and pushing for disruption in a market that is ripe for it. I really want to talk about direct-to-consumer in a yeah. minute, but I want to flesh out a few more things about uh, Ken. So we mentioned you, we, we had your CEO, Sean Harper, on a few years ago. So tell us how things have changed in the last few years. Are you still writing in just a few states? Where can somebody buy a policy from Ken and how's growth going? Yeah, so growth start off is is going great. It's going huge. We just released some 2021 numbers recently where growth year over year is very well and doing doing very good. Um, we're actively writing and have policies in Florida, Louisiana, and California. We'll be expanding some of those states here in the next quarter or two, uh, depending on some timelines and fleshing some things out. Um, but Again, having that direct consumer model allows us to, to pinpoint where we want to grow and how we want to grow and understand the specific markets that we want to be in. And you guys recently made an acquisition or you made an acquisition in 2021, right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we acquired a shell company late 2021, which has licenses in 43 different states throughout the continental United States that we will look at and review and decide organically which ones we are going to capitalize and utilize first and take a strategic approach to it. You know, buying a company, acquiring a company with 43 licenses does not automatically mean we're going to start writing in 43 states tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, you have to understand, again, your profile and, and where you want to go and how you want to get there and do it in a way that, that makes sense and doing it in a strategic way and making sure that all of your deliverables are still there. So why did y'all buy that company? Was it because they were already licensed? It, uh, it's just an, an easier step. What was the uh, strategic thought there? Yeah, I mean, there's a few thoughts there, right? It's all of that, right? Yes, because they did carry the licenses in 43 states and understanding trajectory and understanding growth plans and everything else. It, it was a step in the right direction to expedite some of the growth and, and move into markets that otherwise would have taken a few years to get into for different statutorily required yeah. regulations and everything else. What do you do when somebody calls from Nevada or Georgia? So really the only time someone in those locations would reach out is a direct referral from somebody mm -hmm. because we're not actively marketing in those areas. Mm -hmm. And again, being direct consumer, we can pinpoint where and how we market to potential customers. Mm -hmm. um, we know that we can market in a specific area if we're looking to expand PIF in that area directly because of, of the model and how it's built. And really, if we have someone in Nevada and everything else, we, yeah, we still talk to them and still maintain data and maintain a relationship and you know ensure them that, hey, as we grow, you'll be the first to know when we enter your state. So when you guys are advertising why somebody should buy a kin policy instead of another policy 
from a, from a different carrier. What's unique? What's your special value proposition that you have to offer to a, a prospective insured? As you know, the Florida market is a very interesting market and is an ever-changing market. And a lot of that is due to catastrophe risk. A lot of that is due to the nature of the state. A lot of that is also due to, you know, the fact that the state owned insurer is the largest one in the state with citizens carrying more policies than anyone else right now. And really being able to communicate with a potential insured to a customer and really just delivering that value proposition and explaining to them, you know, how, how we know, more about their house and how we understand more about the risk and everything else really just provides that conversation and that model and it's clean and it's easy and it's very efficient for an insured as you see the models changing and you see customer behavior changing online usage over the last few years obviously has skyrocketed obviously covid had a lot to do with that as well with more people at home and more people in front of computers and more people using zoom and using these things that five years ago we would have said was crazy. You know, no one's walking into an independent agent's office in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Partially because they couldn't. And Grand Florida is a different, different animal with some of that, but it is that ease of connectivity and that ease of conversation that really is a huge driver. You know, you mentioned COVID. Do you think that COVID has been good to Ken in that regard? You know, it's really hard to say good, bad, indifferent. But it's, you know, when you start writing at the end of 2019 and four months later, COVID hits. Yeah, that's tough. I, you know, I can't say it's been good or bad because it's what we know. Mm-hmm. It's it's the environment that we have <laughs> operated in. And when you look right. at the, when you look at the growth numbers, you're like, well, hey, whatever you're doing is working and you're doing it right. And you're being effective and efficient. Right. Did COVID help or hurt? I don't have a baseline mm-hmm. to bounce that off of to say, Hey, we would have been 10 points higher, 10 points lower with or without. Your model is you don't count on people walking into an office anyways. <laughs> Correct. But I don't, again, I think when you look at what insurance is and the fact that, you know, it's a, it's a promise It's in, in the time of need, we are here. It is completely can be an electronic conversation, an electronic agreement, because at the end of the day, it's a it's a unilateral contract. It's a piece of paper and a promise that comes behind that with COVID to tell people, you know, get beyond the computer more and see things in a little bit different light and maybe shop more. And all of those things could be construed as a benefit for sure. You know, we've interviewed quite a few different insurance companies that have come up and they started you know, there, there's two or three that come to mind where they started as a direct to consumer and then they quickly pivoted to independent agents to sell. They also sell direct to consumer, but they started relying on the agents. Um, it doesn't sound like that's where you're at right now. You're sticking to the to the uh, straight to consumer. And so what are you able to offer the consumer with that? I assume because you're not paying um you know, commissions to the agent, are you able to offer a less expensive policy? Are you able to invest more in, in customer service? Are you able to service the, the client better? What is the, the value prop there? Again, it, it all goes back to the communication aspect of it, right? It's every customer, every potential customer wants to be communicated with in a different way. And it's being able to understand what that is. You know, a certain percentage of all of our policies come through with completely self-served the customer goes online and goes 
completely throughout the process, binds a policy without talking to anybody. Yeah. And those customers love that. Absolutely. And then, and then you have the customer that calls in and talks to someone for two minutes and binds. And some people love that two minute connection. And some people call in and they want to talk for 45 minutes and run through every single line. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. We have that. And we are here to service all three of those and anyone on that spectrum and being able to do that in a clean and efficient way across the board is hugely important and understanding that everyone is different. Every house is different. Every customer wants to communicate differently and everything else. And I think that that's one reason why homeowners was ripe for that disruption and the idea of direct consumer because everything is different. We don't have a VIN number on our houses that we can punch into a computer and get a printout of every single part, every single OEM piece and a price for it. And we have to understand the differences that go into construction and risk and type and everything else. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm very interested about the claim side. You know, that's your world. That's where you're at. You come from this very large company that everything is working, all the cogs are turning, every all the processors are built. You walked into this world, I would assume you were able to really put your fingerprints on the design of the claims process. What was that like for you in, in really trying to uh, get the entire claims department up and running? Yeah. It, and really, when you look at it, it's again, and and I keep saying communication and I keep saying conversation and and those touch points, but it is really about delivering on that promise, delivering on that experience and delivering on a customer's expectations. Yeah. You know, obviously the goal is, is that you don't have a ton of repeated claims. You don't have homeowners with a long history. So you're talking on a frequency point of, you know, a certain number of your policies having a claim every year. And being able to guide a customer through that process is of utmost importance. Being able to communicate with them however and whenever they want to be is also a huge piece. You know, gone are the days where it's the cable company giving you a four hour window to come do an inspection because everyone understands the pain of that. Gone are the days of I called your home phone and left a message waiting for a call back and, you know, Polaroid pictures and everything else. You know, now, you know, we have automation that, that happens immediately when a claim is filed that's, you know, sending out emails, sending out text messages, and immediately calling the customers to really establish that level of communication. And that gives us the opportunity, obviously, to gather facts about the loss, but also gather facts about the insured of how they want to be communicated with and how best we can do that moving throughout the process. You know, that... You talking about that makes me think about um, the demographics of your uh, policyholders. Do you guys find because you are direct to consumer that your that your demographic makeup is a little different? You know, I get asked that a lot because it would seem that yes, it would be different, and yes, mm-hmm. you would have more of a, a younger demographic, if you will, that yeah, thirty-five sure. to forty-five first-time home buyer. But when you put that into perspective of Florida as our largest state and the demographic of Florida is not that, you know, it it kind of, it's a little bit of a dichotomy between the two, right? Like you think that with this and with the direct consumer, with the online, with texting and everything else, there would be a younger crowd, but the majority of Florida is older. 
And so it's a nice spread and a nice mix because you get both the best of both and you see both. And as a community, we as a people group has seen so much more internet usage and comfort with computers and comfort with internet from every generation over the last five or six years. That it's not uncommon, you know, to have someone in an older demographic be proficient with doing things online where 10 years ago, you know, 10 years ago, my mom's calling asking how to log into her AOL account, right? Like that's different. Yeah, that's right. There's no more CDs coming in the mail once a week to dial <laughs> into the internet. And no. so again, some of that is being at a curve and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding what that curve is and being able to tap into it and, and make sure we're delivering on that. Yeah. We wouldn't be able to download the CDs anymore anyways. So <laughs> No. Um, I haven't had uh, a DVD player in forever. Right. So you come there and like Lee said, you get to, you know, kind of make it as you want. You're, you're an insure tech. Did you feel like, okay, I need to make a claims process that's technology forward? And how's that worked out? An important piece to understand how much technology works. Yeah. There's a cost benefit analysis with everything and understanding some of the inputs that are necessary for some products that require a ton of insure, insured knowledge and insured lift that we have to understand as an organization, as a group, is that where really where the value prop is. And again, harping on the communication piece, it is really being able to deliver expectations and follow up on those promises in an automated and efficient way. Because, you know, you said earlier, did you change the way that the claims are handled? Yeah. Well, let's be honest, the state of Florida regulates a lot. Say Louisiana regulates every state, right? Every, every different insurance commissioner has their idea of the way things should be done, right? So we are not changing the way things are done, but we can change how efficient we are in getting those things done. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. You have to stay within the lines, but then you can make your own world. And, and it looks like I was reading a press release that you did make your own world back in August of 2020, uh, that you had selected uh, Snapsheet as your claims platform. Is that, is that still your, your platform today? Yep. So we're still with Snapsheet and, you know, building out some things and doing some things with them that really help us with that common goal of, effective and efficient communication and delivering some of that through automation and, you know, being able to use some of the data science and things in the background to really understand next steps and understand processes and make sure that the insured is informed of every, yeah. one, of those, every one of those things. Well, you were a, a early adopter to Snapsheets platform, right? Snapsheet's known for a couple of things and, and their online, you know, their management platform is, is one of the things they're known for. So, you know, has that, has that lived up to, to your expectations? Is it, is it moving with you? Is it growing with you? Is it working for you? Yeah, they've absolutely made a commitment to work on and build and develop alongside their partners. And I think that, you know, for us, as we were growing and as we were building, as we set expectations and, and guidelines and guardrails of, you know, what we needed and what we were looking to do, you know, the commitment was there to do those things and be involved in those things and, and create something that, that follows along those lines. That's so great. I would assume one of the challenges you have is the fact that you're, you know, you're, 
one of your states is about as far away from your biggest state as it can be, and and there and you only have three states currently. Managing claims across thousands of miles must be hard. Plus, add on top of that, you don't have great PIF concentration in any one area. So it's not like if if, if you have you know some kind of any form of cat that you you know have tremendous PIF that is in a concentrated area. Talk about the challenges of growing a book of business and taking care of the claims when they're all over the place. So I think looking at it holistically and looking at the three states, and we do have that PIF concentration in Florida, Louisiana, California, obviously Louisiana is growing and we will be at that point where there is that concentration. California is and historically has been and for the near future will be a challenging state. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit before, you know, in a previous life, I was in California a ton with wildfires and managing all of the total losses and everything else that arose from all of those wildfires. So I've personally been in California for over 10 years, handling major case level claims and building relationships and building rapport with people on the ground and engineers and hygienists and, you know, the likes and really having the ability to tap into that prior experience and those prior relationships really does close that thousand mile gap to where Mm -hmm. it isn't on, isn't on the other side of of the world as it is perceived at times. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you had good growth in California? I mean, the, the market here, I'm in California, the market here is crazy in its own right because of all the new rules and thinking around wildfire and and how do you underwrite here um in a way where you can turn a profit is uh is not easy no in california again kind of going back to the it has been historically and will continue to be a state that is is ripe for growth and is ripe for disruption and challenge due to the fact that you know, they do have different risk in different segments of the state. You know, I think there's there's industry folks that, that kind of laugh that California is like three different states based yes. on how it's broken down, based on the risk factors, and based on everything else. And you know, a lot of the benefit of the direct consumer is we can market to, we can reach out to people in areas that we've identified as less risky or different than yeah. than other places. And again, it's all directed to that. And it's not just a wide swath of, Hey, we're here. We're marketing everybody. So I was hoping Clay, you could kind of clarify something for me. Are is, is Ken a MGA currently, or is Ken a insurance company formerly a MGA? So formerly an MGA. So when we started in Florida, we were underwriting and servicing the policies as an MGA and then rolled those policies at renewal and created the agency at that or the insurance company at that point. And we are a reciprocal insurer. So we're not a stock company. So we do have, you know, the, the insureds are members that come in and there's quite a few reciprocal carriers around and out there. And we were an MGA in Florida and we were an MGA in California. So we're not actively riding in California right now with the MGA but we do currently still have PIF out in that area. I see. And I I guess for the claims department, is there a difference in the way you handle claims as an MGA versus an insurance carrier? 
No, you know, at the end of the day, as a claims department, you know, you're reviewing, reviewing coverage, reviewing damage and reviewing identification and a policy is a policy and damage is damage. And that's, you know, really at the forefront. So you get to build this claim department and, and you're building it. Are you using InsureTech tools and InsureTech providers? Um, are you trying to, have you had success with that? So we're trying to, absolutely. And, you know, we're continuously in conversation with other insure techs, other non-insure techs that are that are in the in the business and in the realm of of what we're looking to do and and how we're you know looking to do things and that's really what we try to focus on is who can we partner with to deliver on the results that that we're promising others mm -hmm. and kind of circling back to the snapsheet piece earlier like some of the automation some of the communication that is really a forefront focus of ours and that was a partner that could deliver on that and mm -hmm. you know we've looked at some others and, and done some things with some others in the space to really optimize that solution. Mm -hmm. So it isn't so much about using the the really cool insure tech that makes things measure faster. You're really focused on the insure tech that brings uh, customer service to the forefront. Talk to the customers, keep them engaged, keep them going. I, am I hearing that right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, there's awesome, there's cool tech, but what does that do for the customer experience? Right. What's the value prop for them? Right. And, and at the end of the day, that's what this is. Mm -hmm. You know, we are there in their biggest time of need. We mm -hmm. are there when something happened to their largest investment. Mm -hmm. What are we doing throughout this conversation, throughout this experience that we have with them? You know, whether it be a seven day, a 10 day, a year long relationship we have with the customer, what are we doing? What are we using to optimize their experience and how they feel? I, I think one of the, one of the big challenges that insurtechs have. And when I talk about it, when I say insurtechs now, I'm talking about insurance companies or MGAs yeah. is that, are you different, right? Are you different enough to make your case to the, um, to the insured that they should go with you instead of, you know, one of the top five insurers in the country? No, I think, you know, that's what we prove day in and day out. I think that's what our growth numbers show. I think that that's what our customer experience shows is really using that time to distinguish yourself, to show that, yes, things can be different than it used to be. And the market's changing and being able to change in front of it and with it and understanding the needs of the consumer is of utmost importance. And being able to pivot and do things quickly is is huge. Can we talk about texting for a minute? Absolutely. Are you using texting in your process? Absolutely. Talk to us about texting and, and how that's going and how you're using it. So we reach out to the customer via text in numerous situations. You know, we do at time of claim file, we will reach out via text. And some of this is establishing how that customer wants to be communicated with. And they can not respond and, hey, you don't respond to it. And you tell us on the phone that you'd rather talk. Awesome. We won't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. But that goes back to their experience. Mm -hmm. um, we also, you know, there's a case study on our website from Hurricane Ida. It kind of walks through 
cat response and in, in what we do and you know when the storm you know we've all seen the cone of uncertainty going up through the gulf and you know we texted all of our insureds that were within that cone you know hey this is ken hurricane ida or storm ida at that point is headed your way here's a link to a blog with some hurricane hardening tips and then as the storm passes through we reach out to them again and hey mr johnson Hurricane Anna just went through your area. How are you? And reaching out to the customers, establishing that relationship and that rapport pre-claim is huge. And our response rates to these text messages are over 65% historically wow, big. over the last two years. And, you know, we have some insureds from Ida that were laughing. Like you texted me before my parents did. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's, again, you're just building that relationship and everything else. And, you know, we're also getting real time imagery from the insureds via text, via photos. Hey, everything's okay here. Here's a picture of my house. Here's a picture of my yard. Just the information that comes in at that point really allows us to triage and understand expected claim volumes and expected the projections for everything else. And so, you know, we had 68% of our hurricane Ida claims in the door within 72 hours of the storm passing through an area. Wow. So we're able to have conversations with the boots on the ground folks that need to be there, you know, whether that's tarps or that's water mitt or whatever that looks like, because we know about these claims up front, we're able to respond faster and we're able to have initial reserves set up and triage set up so much faster because we are proactive with it. What excites you as a claims professional, as a claims leader, looking forward in the next few years, what makes it exciting to get to your desk in the morning, wherever your your desk, whichever desk you may be working from? Stand-up desk. I was about to say, the fact that I'm standing up, I I figured that was going to get called out at some (laughs) point here. We had to give Clay a a, a little grief. Not we, you did, but... Well, I don't have a stand-up desk. That's why I gave him grief. Okay. Sorry. If I had one, I would have said, oh, don't you love yours? I love mine, but no. (laughs) Well, no, the comment was more, I'm old, I'm sitting and I'm eating, and you're (laughs) standing up. So it's... (laughs) Okay. Now, now, you know what? This isn't about me. This is about you. So let's stay on topic here. Okay. Focus, Uh, everybody. Focus. Yeah. I I think for the future, honestly, what excites me is really just delivering on the promise and adding that value prop to the insureds and, and what they do. Because again, we're, we come into the picture when they've had something bad happen. And, you know, whether that be a wildfire or a hurricane or something else, like oftentimes like they're shaken and this is our time to come in and really outline expectations, outline the promise and then deliver on it and really just build that customer experience because look, insurance is a relationship business no matter what, no matter which way you look at it. You know, my dad owned an independent agency when I was growing up and he, we were, he had it in a small town in North Georgia. It was the insurance agent, the doctor, the CPA, the mm-hmm. dentist, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that, that was all relationship. And it mm-hmm. still is. And I think oftentimes as an industry, we get lost in that. And we stick our head in the clouds and it's like, no, it's, it's, it's not about that. It 1000% is about that experience. I agree. I think that there's a lot of excitement about, or maybe a misunderstanding that maybe we can make tools that replace 
some of that relationship aspect, develop AI that can can take care of that. Like <laughs> I, I've been shopping for insurance for myself and I let somebody have my phone number and they continue to text me, which I don't stop because I'm just interested in it professionally. But I know no one's texting me, right? Some AI tool is texting me. If I got a personal text, I might respond to that. But that's the kicker, right? Is understanding how you want to be communicated with, not how everyone wants to be communicated with. You're always going to have that insured that wants to talk to the chatbot at 2.30 in the morning because that's just the way they are. And you're going to want the person that, hey, send me a text 30 minutes before my field adjuster gets here. If that's the avenue that claim is, send me a text when you get the estimate. Send me a text when you pay me. Like that, right. There's certain people that all they want is, I told you I was going to do it. I did it. Here's the confirmation of it. And then there's the people who you know you're on the phone with for an hour and a half because that's what they want and that's what they need. And being able to identify that is huge. Well, we know that you're in the middle of a very dynamic thing. When do new states start to roll out? So we're wrapping up the end of 2021 and you know, kind of setting expectations for 2022 and kind of working on what states are next and, and when they're going to launch. And so ideally, you know, the market sees some new things soon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, we'll look forward to that. And uh, we are so grateful and thrilled to have had you on here because we, Lee's a claims professional. I'm a claims pretender. So, but we like to have claims people on to talk about this world that we're in, because a lot of claims people look at the, this world cynically, look at the world of InsureTech cynically, and there might be some reason for that still on the claim side. I think that the claims end of InsureTech still has a lot of promise yet to be realized. Would, would you agree with that? Absolutely. But I think it's creating that promise and who you're creating that promise for and who you are truly there serving and making sure has the best experience possible. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love that as an end spot. So when, when we're in Tampa next, where are we going to dinner? That's what I want to know. Just don't make it during winter or middle of summer. Cause you might come here and it'd be 35. <laughs> yeah. We don't want the iguanas falling on us during, during dinner. Come during Gasparilla. Come, come for Gasparilla. Come hang out with four hundred thousand of your closest friends to watch a big pirate parade. That's that'd be fun. The fourth largest parade in the country. Hmm. Is Did it really? Know that. Did yeah. not know that. Now I got a Google pirate parade. I had no idea there was a thing. It's this weekend. So yeah, man, uh, I live a sheltered life. <laughs> understatement. <laughs> man lives in Waco, Texas. <laughs> Thank you very much for being with us. I know it took us a long time to get you on, but it was well worth the wait and all the best to you. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, no, thank you all both very much. I've always enjoyed having claims professionals on the podcast. I mean, it's fun to talk to people who do what we do, right? Yeah. Or, or parts of what we do. Yeah, I feel like I understand it a little bit more. I should hope you do. <laughs> it's not as hard to understand. If you don't, I'm going to tell your boss. I mean. Well, he might be listening now. Do you think? Do you think? No, I don't. Lee's, bo <laughs> Lee's boss is a man named John Hall, who's actually been a guest on our podcast. Yes, early guest.
Mm-hmm. Very early. I think first five, I think he was number five, if I'm not mistaken. You might be right. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's a good you know, podcast. Maybe, maybe he listens. Maybe he listens to the podcast whenever he's on his Peloton bike or or, or something like that. And who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we thank Clay for being with us. It was great to hear his perspectives and about his experience. And we thank all you for being with us once again. And we are back live and in live. color. Not so much color, but live. Mm-hmm. And um, look forward to spending another year with you. In fact, this might be like our third anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's right here. We might have missed it. Happy Three anniversary years. if I missed it. Three years on. Congratulations. Well, so we'll say to you what we say to everybody every week when we're all done with this nonsense. And that is. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.